Hello, welcome to another Musicali Focus with me, Musicali's editor, Joe Sparrow. And in this episode, we're joined by Paul Sampson, CEO and founder of Licked, the licensing startup that supplies music to creators on YouTube and other platforms. Now, we seem to be shifting into a new era where there's a different and widespread use of music emerging, one where music is a component of a wider experience. For instance, it could be music being used in the background of a short-form video or live streams of gaming, or where users take music and build it into an interactive experience, almost music as Lego. So we chat to Paul about the future of music use. All that coming up in one minute, but First, what is Music Ally Focus? Well, each episode analyzes one meaningful music business story at a time. And so this podcast is therefore going to be quick. It should take about the same amount of time as David Rush could wear and then tear off 750 t-shirts. David wore and tore 29 in one minute in 2020. Now, talking of not ripping things off, creators of online content, be it short-form video, live streams, or metaverse experiences, are eager to use recognizable hit songs in what they're making. And companies like Licked make it easier for them to do this at whatever scale. And the CEO and founder, Paul Samson, thus has an interesting perspective on these creators' needs. That's whether they are zillion streaming superstars like Mr. Beast or more modestly successful creators. So we asked him about what they actually want from a music experience now and how they view music in terms of its use and its value when they are perhaps only using music as a component of something bigger that they're piecing together. Plus, we asked Paul about generative AI music and whether it could take a slice out of his business model. Let's go and chat to Paul now. Right, well, I'm very happy to welcome Paul Sampson, CEO and founder of Lix, to the Focus podcast. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah, good, thank you. Good to have you here. Before we start, for, for a bit of basic introduction and context, can you explain who you are and what Licked is, please? Sure. So I'm Paul Sampson. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Licked. Uh, Licked is a music micro-licensing solutions company. That might not mean a lot to a, a few people, but um, the core business is a solution that enables content creators to legally license mainstream music for the first time into their content or social platforms without losing their monetization. And that was a problem that I saw seven, eight years ago. So my background, Joe, is that I've been in sync licensing in, in New York, in LA, in London, and all of my clients in all three in traditional sync are film companies, TV networks, ad agencies, et cetera, et cetera, right? Trailer houses. Yeah. All of which are essentially large production companies. By about, you know, the early teens, the, all the, the significant resources of production had been democratized to the home, right? By way of editing software on laptops and the improvement in camera quality. Uh, yeah. and, and, and with the um, emergence of YouTube, right? From 05 onwards. Uh, I suddenly, I didn't need um, a commissioning editor at a TV network to give me approval or a budget to shoot my series. Uh, I had the world's most generous commissioning editor in YouTube. Everything got a green light. Uh, I, I didn't need 10 grand to buy a Canon XLR and a sound guy and an editor to rent edits, edit suites and edit spaces. Right, All of this was democratized. And so I looked at it and thought, well, hang on, the, the, the fastest growing production sector in the world is the UGC sector. 
And the only production resource that hasn't democratized in line with all the others is what I do. Sync licensing is still protracted. It's still fragmented. It comes with all the approvals you need to get. MFNs, quotes, turnaround times, contracts, artist approval, manager approval. It just was not fit for purpose. And so I looked at that space and thought, that is growing so quickly. If we can create a new micro-licensing model, a platform, say, to shorthand, like Spotify, right, where you can search and audition music, and then build the technology, not only for the platform, but to ensure that once the music was licensed, our software interacts with the platform you're going to post the video on to make sure that you don't get persecuted through automation on that platform because they think you've infringed copyright, then we can enable a new sync generation, if you like. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, completely. So that, you know, you've, and, and that's what we're talking about here, which is the shift, if you like, from, you're talking specifically about licensing, but we're seeing in a wider sense as well, as you mentioned that video making and distribution is being democratized, also, music is being viewed differently as a component of that rather than perhaps a more complicated sort of structure of connections and plugging things in and clearing licenses and things like that. So do you sort of agree with that as a sort of basic premise then? That, it's, you know, we, we're seeing music consumption completely changing. We've got, of course, the traditional thing of people opening up Spotify or whatever, putting a record on, listening to some music, but then... The background of videos that you just mentioned, YouTube videos or TikTok videos, we've got live streams of gaming with music in the background, or perhaps users wanting to slot in a song as a part of an interactive experience they're building, like in Roblox or something like that. Uh, music as Lego is one way I try and think about it. So do you, do you agree with that as a basic premise? And is what's in a bigger sense what sort of changes is that bringing to how music is consumed and licensed uh yes i agree with it um and and, and like everything that we do at lix because we have other products we're developing outside of the ugc space it is at the forefront of that ever-evolving um need for music and use case for music and we're creating the licensing frameworks and the proprietary technology to to enable them up or, or to, to open them up as opportunities for the music industry, right? Music industry is so fragmented that it can't ever create a solution in and of itself. It requires an, an external third party to come along and say, this is what's happening in the market, or this is what the opportunity is for you in the market, but none of you own all the rights you need. And we'll create the tech to sort of coalesce your assets and make it viable for you. Um, so yes, I agree that that's the case, and it will continue to evolve. I mean, we're seeing YouTube content creators who, uh, look, everyone listening to this podcast will be familiar with Epidemic Sound, right? Yeah. Um, Epidemic Sound, what a story, what a business, what a company. And we all know that, that, that people in the music industry weren't happy with their royalty-free element when they first came about. I think people have come to terms with it now or understand why it works for that market. But they were you know, ahead of the game in looking at that sector, right? Here's another sector where it's difficult, expensive, uh, and protracted and litigious in order to use music. That's why they won market share in traditional media. And all they did was look at YouTube and say, if we just create a button on the front end of the epidemic platform that says, hey, if you're a YouTube channel, you can just pay $15 a month and use it as well, right? Because they own the music, it's an easy win. 
Um, I looked at that market and I wondered why I wasn't hearing the music I knew and loved in the content that I knew and loved. And that seemed incongruous to me. I learned about content ID. I learned that every use of music on YouTube was considered an infringement. Yeah. And I learned that actually if you earn money on YouTube, you lose it all just by celebrating your favorite artist. When actually all you want to do is elevate your content. And the commercial music industry looks internally and speaks so often about we must monetize fandom better, right? Here's an artist with 100,000 or 2 million really engaged fans. How can we provide value and get £10 a month more out of each of them, right? Well, allow them to use your artist in their, in their video and don't persecute them. And actually what we see when the music is used is that sometimes it's, you know, it helps the video crescendo. Sometimes it's a key point in the video, but often it's just transition and mood changes and background, right? Mm. But it helps mm. evoke an emotion. Uh, and people tend, on the whole, as audiences, to be more engaged with content when there's commercial music involved. So what we did was come along and say, look, Epidemic's done a great job. Everyone that's done a great job in this space has built a workaround solution because the solution people actually want is, I just want to use whatever I want. Mm. That's not revolutionary, right? Built enabling it is. Um, so that, and that's why we did what we did. I then also saw that, that people still really need stock music, right? Mm. Stock music does things really well that chart music doesn't, Joe. Think about suspense, thriller, action, mm. adventure, mm. dramedy, drones, right? Um, you don't get that from Jess Glynn. So if I want all the tools available to me, then I need to use both. And that's why we added stock music to Link, so that customers don't have to go to multiple platforms to get what they need. Um, and they're using both, just like films do, just like trailers do, just like TV shows do. And that was the part of the goal, was to democratize music for the world's creators, is Lick's mission. So you you created this this way of doing that, yeah. And we're moving into a world where you you know we're talking about user generated content, and these are often individuals. They don't have teams around them, so they have to be able to, as you've identified, do things quickly and simply in in, in a central location, yeah. as, as few clicks as possible, right? That, because that's how that's how their margins work, yeah. Uh, and, until they become Mr. Beast and can yeah. you know do, do ridiculous things with money, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you said there, you said license, that, that the way it's been working in the past is licensing is complicated and the music industry is litigious. Yeah. With that in mind and the, and having observed the, the, the changes that have happened while you're doing this, as we move into this sort of music as Lego future, mm. is the current system of licensing up to the task of recovering the right money for music creators on one hand, and on the other hand, allowing uh, video creators, let's say, to use the, the music they want? Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> no. The, the, the current way of collecting royalties isn't fit for the traditional media landscape. <laughs> it's not, Joe. Right? Like, when we talk about how in-store is licensed and reported on, it's black box revenue, right? Mm. When we talk about TV syncs or blanket deals, they're still getting interns to create cue sheets, 
right, who don't necessarily know. They weren't there at the placement of the music. There's the odd bit that gets made up, right, or retrofitting and watching a show back and trying to work it out from there. There's been a huge movement in the last 10 years to try and add technology to solve some of those problems. But they're solving the old world. If you think we don't have an at-scale solution, really, um, that has been widely adopted by the production industry or the broadcast industry to say, well, we can now listen to everything. There, there is no losses. There is no breakage, right? Everything that's used can be identified automatically and reported automatically and collected quickly, right? Internationally. It doesn't happen. You have to wait two years to get an ASCAP payment via the PRS in the UK, right? Mm. So that hasn't been solved fully yet. And now we're talking about virtual worlds, Virtual worlds where we're not listening. Virtual worlds where we are relying on the size of the parent platform and their uh, will to act legally being the defining uh, event in terms of whether or not music is being licensed. But we don't fully know if everything is being licensed. We just know that people are warranting to act as best as they can. But... A technological solution that listens to, I mean, within Fortnite or within Roblox or within any of these spaces, I can build my own game. Who knows what I'm using yeah. in there, right? There needs yeah. to be an at-scale solution for the virtual world, and I don't think the one in the physical world yet is up to scratch. So I think it, I think it is a problem. I'm not for a moment suggesting that those big players, the Fortnites and the Roblox, are infringing music copyright. I, yeah. I know they act legally, right? They have huge music teams acting legally. One, I mean, is as as those platforms or even more the, the open and decentralized platforms, right? The open metaverse, th th we know there's no listening going on there. And we know, if, we've created a solution for, the, for those platforms. And a lot of the response that we get all the time is, well, I, I've, been, I've been infringing music for ages and no one said anything, right? <laughs> so, like I said, the listening in that area needs to improve, let alone the reporting. And then in a, a broader sense, then, all the examples of music use I've just mentioned to you earlier are non-traditional. It's not the playing the pop song and flipping the album and playing the other side way of listening to music. It's, it's music in games. It's music in ex experiences, like you say, in Roblox. And it's in user-generated content, as you say, it's not just mood music. It could be analyzing songs. It could be geeking out over a favorite fan. These are, these are quite discreet in new ways of, of, of using music as, as things. If music is being used differently and it's not so much a case of, you know, the traditional sync use yeah. or just listening to music use, people are using it as components of something bigger they're building. And that's yes. a kind of new thing because it's user-generated. It's driven from the bottom of the pyramid. So should should does there need to be a new way of paying for that in a different way that we haven't done in the past? I see. I'm perfectly placed to answer this question. Um, look, so Licked built a, a product called Chorus. Chorus is a background music metaverse player. Why is that needed? Well, one, there was no uh, background music in the real world is only licensed locally, right? Mm. Whereas a metaverse venue is going to have uh, guests from 200 countries simultaneously. Two, how do you keep the sound from a playlist being played in a virtual venue in that venue when there are no actual walls and no actual ears, right? Mm. And so what Chorus does is it reads the um, 
virtual coordinates, the plot lines of the venue that's opting into the product, right? So right. if someone says, I want to use Chorus in my virtual casino, right? The first thing the Chorus does is ingest your your um, coordinates, your blueprint. Then you select a playlist and it only it tracks tokens that cross your threshold, right? If a token mm. crosses your threshold, that means an avatar crosses your threshold. If an avatar crosses your threshold, that means there's someone sat behind a device that has crossed your threshold. And now the music you've selected needs to be transmitted to that device. You're right, it does need to be viewed differently. I would argue, and we argue with Chorus, that this is a public performance, just like it is in the real world. But yeah. Then you might have some publishers that view it as sync, and then you might have labels, some labels, not all, that view it as gaming or digital exploitation. And yeah. they've got vested interests in making those arguments because of the weight of royalties split in each of those, right? Mm-hmm. Publisher sees a sink as 50-50. Great, we get 50% of the share. A label will say, it's a digital exploitation in-game. It's an 80-20 split. We want 80% of the share. And then people that are trying to solve the problem are coming along and saying, listen, you guys are going to keep fighting about this for the next 10 years. During that time, the opportunity will have been eviscerated or the um, other incumbents will come along and, uh, and acquire the market, right? Which yeah. is exactly what happened before licked with stock music companies in YouTube, on YouTube, right? A company like Epidemic doesn't get to a $1.4 billion valuation with 35,000 stock music tracks without the gates being left wide open for them, mm. right? And then being good enough to execute on it. We argue it's background. I appreciate that there are so many different iterations of the metaverse, for instance, that there might be a case to augment the splits to uh, to compromise on some of those, but it will need all three parties to compromise. That something like an open metaverse platform might be closer to, to public performance than something, say, built by an individual in one of the closed metaverse platforms. But yes, the answer is yes, Joe. We need people to come to the table act reasonably and act in a way that enables the music industry. And really the only important people in the music industry are the artists and the songwriters. And all these entities I'm talking about represent them. And the best way to represent them is to get them into the market early. Uh, Whereas I think that sometimes they believe the best way to represent them is to hold for a decade, let it evolve and then sue. Right. And, you know, I I just disagree. I I get excited about creating innovations and, and I want people to come with us. Now, at this point, let me just take a moment to remind you that last year, Music Ally launched a series of five free courses covering everything you need to know about Amazon Music for Artists, including programming and curation, selling artist merchandise, understanding voice technology, reaching audiences via Alexa, and live streaming on Twitch. Supported by Amazon Music, these courses are all completely free to access. And now, thanks to Amazon support, Music Ally is also able to offer complimentary certification to any individual or company that completes all five of the courses. So what have you got to lose? Nothing, that's what, because they're all free. So you can find a link to the Amazon Music for Artists series in our show notes beneath the podcast. Let's talk about, you, you mentioned there that the important people are the songwriters and, yeah. the, and the performers on, on the music side, and then on the user-generated content side, with, with you know, the important people there are the people who are making all this stuff in the first place mm. because they, they understand the audience and they're feeding them what they want. So what are the, 
you've you've connected with both ends of that pipe. What, yeah. what, as you see, are the real wants and needs of the sort of modern creator users, if you like, of apps like this? And I'm saying creator users because uh, on, on apps like TikTok and Roblox, it, that's really blurred now. It, there are a lot more creators than ever before on any other platform. I feel, whereas on YouTube, let's say there's you know there's there's maybe nine hundred ninety nine watches for every creator. Yes. On TikTok, that's not the case. Yes. So, what are the needs of those people now who want to use music as a component of their output? So it's it's really interesting because it, you know it's so different on every platform. TikTok, I think, needs a solution where creators can A, earn money, and B, use commercial music, right? That's the, that's the, that's where the problem was created on YouTube, right? The, the, where the conflict was either the channel earns money or the music industry earns money. They can't be both, right? And that's what Lit solved. On, on TikTok, they had a creator fund, but there was no real partner program. So I think there's, there's a desire from the TikTok community for there to be a more... Um, sustainable creator monetization program. What they have at the moment is something called Pulse, which is an evolution from the creator fund. But Pulse says, right, the top 4% of creators on any given day are eligible that day mm. for a piece of the funding pie, right? But the next day, you might not be in the top 4% of creators, and therefore, you're not you're no longer monetizing content. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, they've posted today even that they're looking at evolving that. and there's, there's, So that's the first piece. I think everything YouTube did with shorts, let's be honest, is a complete reaction to, to TikTok, mm. right? Mm. And part of that was to say, well, hang on a minute, we've already got a, a video uh, platform that enables creator monetization and a partner program. If we enable short form vertical, then we can win back some of the market share we lost to TikTok and enable those people with an audience to come and migrate them and earn money. Then there needs to be the ability for them to use the music they know and love, right? Um, while still earning money. So I think that's something that's, that needs to be made available for TikTok. The problem we solve on YouTube doesn't exist at the same scale on TikTok by any means. But I think it will in the future. And I, and, and I know that they're working on providing that solution. For, for something like Roblox, I think it's completely different, right? You're right. Like they are much more user creators, they're absolutely user creators on TikTok. But the definition of user creator on Roblox is a sort of a builder in the metaverse. Yeah. Right? I mean, there are kids earning seven figures from yeah. their games that they built within the game Roblox, right? Yeah. And if they build virtual worlds and areas that people want to hang out and create dwell time and engage, then they essentially need to create their own moods or create their own levels of engagement. And then they need to sort of score virtual worlds. You might not be static in a virtual world where, where background music does the job. You might be touring somewhere or led somewhere, and then you need to create atmosphere. So people in uh, in the closed metaverse platforms will need musical generation uh, engines or uh, components of musical stems that they can create new mixes from or to create their own um, soundscapes. Essentially, it's sound design at yeah. a, a democratized user level. And I think we'll see a lot more music collaboration and sound design, sound design done by regular users of the metaverse in the future. Yeah. And what that leads us on to when we, when we talk about those kind of virtual spaces is 
inevitably sort of generative music and AI. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's impossible to have any conversation this year without talking about AI anyway. So yeah. this was this yeah. is clunkingly inevitable. But you know, when we when we talk about music being used in that way in these kind of spaces, whether it's videos, whether it's virtual spaces. What, what about generative AI music in terms of from your perspective? You're, you're licensing recognizable music and, and stock music to, um, to people who are making yeah. these experiences or videos or whatever. What is your perspective on generative AI music? Is it obviously it's very complicated? Are you, it's perhaps too simple to say, are you viewing it as a threat? But, you know, if someone is going to, maybe have a choice between inserting generative music or something else for reasons of budget, they may use generative music or for a number of reasons. What's, what's your take on that from your perspective? Um, Look, I think it's an evolution that we have our eye on. I I don't uh, in any way view it as a threat just for the reason that if we see that there is a case for adoption at scale, it's just something that again, like we added stock music, we would bring in uh, an AI partner, right? Mm. Lick's model isn't to own music. Our model is to own technology uh, and and to um, sub-license content, right? So uh, if I thought there was a really adoptable use case for AI in any of the areas that we are working in, then I would find the right AI, AI partner and, and partner with them. Uh, I have my eye on the space very closely. I speak to lots of the the big players quite a lot just to see where they are and what they're up to. We are a route into creators for any, any of them that have that technology, but don't have the Mm. business development experience. So I think we, we have some value and some leverage in that case, but I think it's a really dangerous time to be picking an AI partner. And I don't yet see the adoptability at scale for the creator community. I think it will come, but there's so much um, vitriol and anger and debate right now about what's ethical in AI, that trying to scale it safely uh, and, and, and be confident in your business and with your shareholders that we've got something here that isn't going to come and bite us on the arse three years from now. I think it's, it, it is a time for caution on that front. Um, I know I've seen a couple of these AI companies point at content creators and not get much traction. Because as a standalone thing, I don't think it works. And like I said, we we saw people needing chart music. We enabled it. I saw people also needing stock music. We made it part of the solution. If I see people want, need AI, then we will enable that as well. Our job is to make lit the single source of usefulness for content creators, right? And say, I've got everything I need in one spot. Why would I need to go anywhere else? Um. But I think it is. It, I think it would be too early for us right now to adopt a partner and take it to market. There, there's so much going on in the space, and mm. so much learning still about licked and the viability of commercial music in YouTube content that I think it would dilute our message. And I haven't seen enough traction from the ones that went out on their own to point the content creation. In fact, most of them have pivoted. Interesting. And what what, what do you think? You, you know, you know what the uh, user-generated content user base is like, Yeah, it seems, it's, you, you would instinctively think, oh, well, hey, here's a load of generative music. You sort of you know, choose, your, you choose your flavor and slide the dials and then you have some music to drop on your video. Yeah. 
this is a speculative question, but do, 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 do you know why perhaps that isn't connecting yet? I, I don't think the quality has been there yet, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, I don't think the UGC community cares two cents about the ethical nature of the AI platform <laughs> they're using. Um, I don't think they're informed enough, but I don't think I don't think the quality has been there. And like I said, I think you need to provide as much value to the user as possible. And if the value you're offering them is, if you stay on this platform long enough, you will eventually generate something usable, right? And that might solve 10 seconds of your 12-minute video, yeah. right? And then you're going to have to go to all these other platforms to solve the rest of it. I think it has to be part of a holistic solution. Um, I see all the time, and bear in mind, like people like Chris MD, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Airac, Potato Jet, and Mr. Beast are regular customers, right? We see them at Lit licensing big chant songs and using the stock music. If there was something there because stock music was unaffordable, then maybe they would find an AI tool that did it for free. But eventually the AI tools are going to start charging you, right? The, 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 nothing's going to be completely for free. If you want free, go to the YouTube audio library, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the AI platforms have offered enough valid content creators yet. Where, like if I was a TV broadcaster and I was saying, hang on a minute, I've got 30 different shows a day going out that might need a solution, then it's a different matter. Mm, interesting okay yeah. yeah and it comes down to being that i guess then being that single point again uh, yeah, one person or a small team making a decision they they, they don't need the same resources I agree. Do they? and the other thing joe is is like i i provided people a revolution once and and very quickly became aware that they prefer an evolution right and by that i mean i went here you go chart music on its own available claims free and they were so indoctrinated in the blanket nature of subscription in stock music that it took them longer to adopt, right? And two problems. One, we didn't have enough big names. I think we've solved a lot of that now. But then when we said, okay, look, here's a model you're used to. Here is unlimited stock music on, on Lit. And now if you're going to churn from us, you can churn to us because you were only going to go to a, to a monthly fee stock music company anyway. So why not do it here and wait for your favorite artist to drop, right? Um, going out and saying to people, only use this platform, when for, for 10, 15 years they've been used to searching and selecting and licensing, right? Uh, Off-the-shelf stuff. It, it's daunting for them to put all their eggs in one basket. Now I've got to choose whether my $15 a month goes to Epidemic or Musicbed or Artlist or Licked or this AI tool because I don't want to pay for both. And the fact is, it's too scary at the moment as a, as a, uh, a change in behavior and the quality isn't there to justify it just yet. I, I, we spoke to some AI partners and, you know, I've said to some of them, listen, it, I could massively expand our stock music offering by working with you. Correct? Yes. And they say to me, why would you bother increasing your stock music catalog? Like it can create the music on the fly. Yes, that's the utopian endpoint. That's the utopian user case, right? But you will have to get people using the AI-generated stock music. And then once they're used to it and they can start augmenting tracks using the AI, then it's not a huge leap to say to them, why don't you create one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you'll get them. But just going out, boom, here's the future. 
sometimes people want to be evolved into it and they want to be taken on a bit of a journey. And I learned that the hard way. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I, for anyone out there who's not familiar with uh, your platform, I will put links to it beneath the podcast and they can yeah. check out what you're doing. Um, or I guess they can just carry on watching their Mr. Beast videos and see the songs that you've licensed yeah. to them uh, in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one final question before we go, Paul. Um, we've, we've talked about licensing music for a long time there uh, and all the different uses of it. Uh, but let's talk about it from a personal perspective and a music perspective. If you could only listen to one piece of music for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, blimey, Joe. That wasn't in the list of questions uh, um if no. i could listen to one piece of music okay never mind by nirvana right yeah when i when i was 13 my sister's then husband gave me two albums that he bought because they were hot off the press uh and he didn't like either of them and one right. of them was nirvana never mind and the other one was doggy style by snoop dog right. uh, and and they both had explicit lyric uh um, no, occasionally the stickers on. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was, you know, just the coolest kid in school. What a day! Yeah, yeah. it wasn't the same day, right? They didn't. Oh, right, okay, right. But but, but uh, I I played those CDs in my room uh, until I knew every single word of each of them, and I, I can't re- I can't recite them all now. <laughs> but those two albums really changed my life, right? Like I I was like, oh, you can be alternative. You can say things that other yeah. people aren't saying, and that was the first time I emerged from sort of mainstream pop to hang on what else is out there that isn't on top of the pop that i should be listening to yeah 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 oh that's great i mean i think you're the first person to say uh, never mind actually and, and and funnily enough i was listening to it the other day for, for the first time in quite a long time it's so good and it, yeah it, it seems silly to say this but it, it's still really really <laughs> yes. good you know it, it still sounds fresh and fantastic now what i was gonna say and i couldn't remember the the name so correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not good on these things but um there's a classical track which always calms me down and gets me in a good mood. And I think it's called Conte Partiro. Oh, I don't know. I, um, my, my, my music knowledge begins and ends with, with sort of popular music, unfortunately. But I will try and find it and put that there as well. So I'll put links to yeah, it's, uh, it's Never Mind by Nirvana, if you're not familiar with it. It's beneath an, the podcast and to that. If Andrea, I can find it. Andrea Bocelli, Conte Partiro is the, is the song. You'll know it if you heard. There we go. Uh, but it always calms me down. That's a good choice, actually. A good pairing, because once you've listened to, to Nevermind, you might need to calm yourself down afterwards. <laughs> All right. Paul, thanks very much. You're very welcome. And there we are. Big thanks to Paul. And if you found that useful, please share the podcast on with someone else who you think will get something out of it. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me. That's joe at musically.com. That's joe, J-O-E, at musically.com. And if you'd like to stay in touch in a more passive way, you can sign up to our free weekly email called The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing insight and skills from that week across Music Ally's broad range of services. Uh, You'll find a link in the description as always and sign up to impress your boss. So there we go. Thanks for listening. I've been Joe Sparrow, editor of musically.com. You've been you, editor of whatever you do. And until next time, farewell.